0: record for the girls being told to smile but the people who need to hear are the people telling them to smile 100 percent, and it's it's really it's been really interesting because i've seen it happen like i've literally been in a building doing an interview explaining the song and like this is a true story i was in a building giving an interview about the song and as we were leaving heard someone say to a girl you can smile oh and i was like is anyone (laughs) listening to me no I just said, I just said, I literally just said. And it was just this moment of like, oh gosh, Ash, you have a long way to go. But, oh man. Or the people I do the interviews with and they're like, ah, oh, Halsey, come on. Do people really, is that real? People really tell you, people really tell you you need to smile. I can't imagine anybody walking up to you and saying that. <laughs> I'm like, how how immune to the female experience are you? Like, like catcalling. Yeah, have you ever, and, I look, and I'm looking at this guy who's like, does that really happen? I'm like, have you ever left this office before? Yeah. <laughs> do you live here? Is your bed under the desk? Like, did they keep you in a cage and let you out to do your job? Like, have you ever been in the real world before? Also, it was happening in New York City where I was like, New York City practically invented catcall culture. Mm-hmm. That is something that basically every young woman there goes through goes through (laughs) like you see it all day every day there by the way like i'm just so sorry that like if that was a radio interview how how i don't know sheltered the 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 creators in this medium genuinely are a lot of them not all of them a lot of them
1: well i think they
0: have the privilege of working with women who are also in a position of privilege because like a lot of the women that you guys probably interact with are women like me. Yeah, professionally. I professionally, guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Professionally, yeah. they're either your peers or they're on the show with you, mm-hmm. or, they're, or they're, s- s- they're stars, stars, celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just assume that you're on a pedestal and you've you've experienced nothing of reality, or that I'm protected. Yeah, you, hover. which is one thing I talked about in my Women's March speech was that being becoming famous didn't stop me from being sexually harassed. It didn't protect me at all. And that's a really interesting thing about the, the, the gender divide in the way we raise young people is there are some young men. There are some young men in this world, and one of them is in office, who dream of having power so they can abuse that power. Oh, yeah. And there are young women who dream of having power so that they will no longer have to be abused. And that is the ultimate divide. That- is that a young man gets to grow up and go, I can't wait till I have power because I can do whatever I want and no one will stop me. And a young woman goes, once I have power, I won't have to worry about anyone using theirs against me. And that is the ultimate Like, that's the discrepancy in the whole thing.
2: Hey, guys, and welcome back to Rebel Hearts, the podcast that is not dead. This is episode 59, and it feels really good to say that. I have been away for almost three months unintentionally. I have been trying to write an episode for about a month now, but just kind of left it and never went back to it. Um, right around when Taylor Swift came out with Lover, I started writing it and I was going to talk about it and everything and then just stopped writing it and forgot about it until now. Um, a lot of things have just been totally in the way of me recording and just um, taking time off to not do anything has been really nice. Um, I have stressed about making another episode for a good month and a half and I've been seeing a lot of things online that I'm like, oh my God, I have to talk about this. Oh my God, I have to talk about it soon because it's not gonna be relevant anymore and just stress city. And um yeah, it's been it's been wild last three months. Um my book has officially sold out and it's been super strange and really nice to see People post about it, people receiving it, people sending me their favorite excerpts and poems, and it's just really surreal that something that I wrote, people actually care about, bought, have talked to me about, and it's just, it's a living thing, you know, I see it in people's houses, you know, um, <laughs> I see people taking photos with it and people seeing seeing and saying things about things that I've written. It's just, I, I don't have words clearly because words are not making sense right now. But if you've, um if you've picked up a book, I don't have, I don't have anything to say other than thank you so much for supporting an idea that I didn't ever think would become real. Um, If you've even thought about buying it or, you know, people think that, if you're not buying your friend's work, you're not supporting them, or you're a bad friend if you don't spend money on things that your friends do. And that's totally not it. You know, I I had a really big problem trying to price this book out and try to break even on it. And I just couldn't fathom charging my friends and people that actually want to read this. Um, what it would cost to make it and actually make a profit off of it. And people make fun of me all the time that I'm really terrible at business. Um, I should call up Jeffree Star to help me out on that one, I guess. But um, yeah, it's just the fact that people wanted to buy it. And that alone is just ridiculous to me. So if you're one of my friends and you feel bad about not picking up a book, or if you feel like you're a bad friend for never buying it or um, or ever saying anything to me about it. It's not about that. Um, I'm so grateful for the people that did buy it, but you'll never be a bad friend for not spending hard-earned money on your friends when you can't. I know right now I can't. So, um, yeah, this is a long intro and, uh, but I've been away for a while. You guys really want to know these things. You want to know about the absolute nothing that I've just said. But anyway, um, This is going to be, I I guess it might be a long episode. I have a lot of shit that I have to talk about, um, that I want to talk about. So, here goes nothing. I guess. (laughs) Um, First off, you guys might have noticed that I started the episode a little different today. This is something that um, I saw on Twitter a couple days ago. That's another thing. I'm not on Twitter the way I used to be. Um, That's also been super nice. You know, I've been on it here and there. Just throwing random replies to some of my friends and all of that stuff. I've just kind of, ever since I stopped making episodes, I kind of just faded into the background with social media and just been enjoying um, not being so tied down to it and not, you know, reliant so much on everything from it. But I did go on Twitter to go through my bookmarks to compile everything that I wanted to talk about for this episode. And I saw this interview that Halsey did and I feel like what she had to say in that clip that I just played had a lot to do with everything that I'm talking about in this episode. And it just really encompasses everything that I wanted to say. So I will be talking about Halsey later on in the episode. She was... um during that interview, it's like an hour and a half long. I'll link it down in the show notes. She was uh, promoting her song, Nightmare, which we have all know that I've already talked about. Kate and I talked about it when I was in Toronto in May. And she was talking also about her new record called Manic coming out in January of next year. So... That, um, Halsey has put out a song called Graveyard, and she's also put out a song called Clementine. I have not listened to either of those songs, to be completely honest with you, just because I've just fallen off the wagon with... Being current on most things. I just haven't really paid much attention, mostly because I haven't really been on Twitter so much. I haven't really been looking for anything except um, a couple of days ago when I was trying to figure out what to say in this episode. But um, Halsey has um, been doing a lot of stuff lately in promotion and preparation for her next record coming out next year. And it was funny, I was in the airport flying home to New York a couple of weeks ago and I got an email because I'm on her mailing list and she did a live stream of her painting for like five or six hours. She just painted the new cover to her new record and it was just basically a silent video of her just painting and it was really cool. Halsey is one of those people that just loves being visual and just loves bringing everything to life and I think that that's super cool. Um like I said we're going to talk a little bit more about Halsey later on in the episode. But so since I've been gone um trademark Kelly Clarkson um Taylor Swift came out with a new record. Normally I wouldn't care, but uh, this record had a lot to say in terms of a couple of songs on there that we're going to get into in a second. And fair warning, the first half of this episode is going to be heavily Taylor Swift oriented. I'll try to um, keep it short and sweet, but there's a lot of stuff that I've had pinned for a while on my laptop that I did want to talk about surrounding the um the release of Lover. So I promise that we're going to stay relevant, stay current, and well as current as possibly can with a two-month-old article, (laughs) but that's the real point of this podcast, isn't it? So again, like I said, today I want to talk about a few things, and somehow, I don't know how I went from having a podcast two years ago where Taylor Swift was my least favorite person to talk about, and now all I seem to talk about on this one is Taylor Swift, but um, I think that it's important to talk about things even for people that you don't necessarily stand or love or even really care about so much. Now, as I mentioned several times already, Taylor Swift released her album, Lover, on August 23rd. And it personally did have a lot to say. Um, mostly, it <laughs> it was like, hi, I'm in love. Here's 15 songs about it. I mean, That's just it's not shade. It's just that's how I felt about it. That's most of Taylor Swift's records for me. But there were a few standouts, at least for me. Personally, for example, her song The Man was a bold statement of a song I did not see coming from her. And I don't think like five years ago, Taylor would have ever put out a song like this. Again, I'm not a huge Taylor stan, so I don't know how accurate that is, but I have listened to a lot of her music. Um, I try to stay hip with the kids. I try to stay relevant with um, my friends because everybody that I'm friends with lives and dies for Taylor Swift. But this song really, really hit me. It uh, basically calls out sexism and how she's tired of it. One of the standout lyrics from that song she had written uh I'm so sick of running as fast as I can wondering if I could get there faster if I was a man and even claiming that being a woman she's considered a bitch for the same things a man would be dubbed as a baller for those were the two big lines in the song that had people kind of like oh shit Taylor Swift is kind of sick of everyone's shit who knew in 2019 I would be talking about Taylor Swift in politics but uh If you were to tell me that in 2017, I would have literally laughed in your face. If you would have told me that in the beginning of 2018, I probably would have laughed in your face, too. But not only did Taylor Swift uh, take shots at sexism in The Man, she's also been heavily um, talking about politics. And Jesus Christ, I would have definitely did a sure Jan if you told me that Taylor Swift would be talking about politics in 2019. But uh, here we are talking about Taylor Swift and politics in 2019. I have been talking about Taylor Swift on this podcast a lot, especially recently. And it's because she suddenly decided to use her voice for a lot more than she had been in the past. Who fucking guessed it? I mean, Jesus Christ, Taylor took you long enough She put out her video for You Need to Calm Down, which I spoke about in my last episode and how I personally feel it was a lot for a cis, white, straight woman to try to capitalize on during Pride Month, but the LGBTQ plus community seemed to, for the most part, accept it and praise it. So at the end of the day, my opinion doesn't matter on it as long as the community she's trying to voice for seems to be okay with it. Taylor won a VMA for the video, and I can't play her speech because I don't want this episode to be taken down by copyrights. Because anything Taylor, either audio or video, is just begging to get flag- flagged. And I already had to redo an entire episode over a speech she made because of copyrights. I'm still really mad that I had to redo that entire episode that was like an hour and 15 minutes long, all because of a YouTube video of her live that was fan recorded. I don't know what she's got in those HTMLs, but. A sister really trying to protect everything, or it was just a coincidence. I don't fucking know. It's not Taylor Swift's fault, but it was Taylor Swift related. So, long story short, I'm not going to play it. However, there is a transcript from Elle Magazine, and I'm going to read it to you guys. And fair warning, there's going to be a lot of reading on this episode because a lot of what I've been searching and finding are articles, and I like everything that I'm reading from all of the articles. So if you've been here on listening to Rebel Hearts for a while, you know that I am terrible at reading on a computer and that everything is going to sound like shit. So my apologies in advance, but hopefully me being away has really, you know, tightened up my reading skills and maybe I'm going to be the literate human being that everybody hopes that I would be at 26 years old. But anyway, here we go. This is Taylor Swift's VMA speech. She said, I just want to say that this is a fan voted award. So I first want to say thank you to the fans because in this video, several points were made. So you voting for this video means that you want a world where all are treated equally, regardless of who we love, regardless of who we identify, of how we identify. At the end of this video, there was a petition and there still is a petition for the Equality Act, which basically just says we all deserve equal rights under the law, and I want to thank, thank you to everyone who signed that petition because it now has half a million signatures, which is five times the amount it would need to warrant a response from the White House. I love my cast. I am so grateful to everyone who was in this video. The ones who are here, the ones who are at home, we love you so much. Thank you for doing this with us. I love my co-executive producer Todrick Hall. I'm so grateful to my co-director Drew Kirsch, and thank you to the fans for everything you do for us. My cast lived their lives so authentically. Thank you for being the example that you are. I love you guys so much. Thank you, MTV, for lifting up this point and this video. Now, I was originally going to read this from an article that the Washington Examiner had uh, posted on their website but I accidentally did not save the link and when I gave my boyfriend my laptop to borrow, um, I didn't have it on there anymore. So I was on my phone and I was trying to find that article again from the Washington Examiner because I knew that's where it was from. And it turns out that I found another article and they were basically talking about how her equality speech had some errors in it (laughs) and uh, it made me super interested to read And the article is actually titled Taylor Swift's VMA Virtue Signaling Wildly Distorts the Equality Act. And it was written by uh, Brad Palumbo and it was written on August 27th. So again, this is October. My bad for not being as current as I should be. But hey, I'm fucking trying, okay? But anyway, uh, this article is kind of long. I did want to read most of it, if not all of it, because I found it super interesting. So again, apologizing in advance if I kind of butcher it but as always links will be in the show notes so if you guys want to just read it on your own without hearing me butcher an entire article by this poor journalist then feel free to do that but anyway um Brad had written Swift went on to slam the White House for its failure to support the bill he talks about the speech in the first half of the article and then I just um I'm reading after he was talking about the part in her speech that he was kind of slamming Swift says the Equality Act, quote unquote, basically just says we should all be equal under the law, which is a gross oversimplification and insults the many people, including gay conservatives such as myself, with serious and substantial objections to the bill. First off... The Equality Act does a lot more than just make people equal. It adds sexual orientation and gender identity to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, enshrining full protections under the law and trampling over the right to religious freedom enshrined in the First Amendment. In cases of competing rights claims, the Equality Act mandates that sexual and gender minorities win by default. When current standards under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act allow for weighing on both of both sides this doesn't make gay and transgender people equal it elevates their rights over those of religious minorities plus the equality act goes beyond sheer support for equality to radically def- redefine core concepts in our society For one thing, the Equality Act's definition of public accommodation is so open-ended and expansive that it would basically apply to almost anyone offering a service, even single-person businesses run from home. This sets up crazy nightmare scenarios, like one where a woman operating a waxing service from home could be forced by the law to wax a transgender woman's biologically male penis and testicles. But elites like Taylor Swift think you're a bigot for opposing such a bill. And the Equality Act's radical redefinitions don't stop there. It also redefines sex, not gender, under the law as subject to self-identification. Many Americans, likely including Swift fans of varying political backgrounds, are simply not comfortable with eradicating biological sex under the law. And that doesn't make them evil opponents of equality. Ultimately, though, the expansive Equality Act is not the only option for those who wish to expand anti-discrimination laws to protect sexual and gender minorities. An alternative fairness for all approach would add reasonable employment protections for both groups, with clear carve-outs for religious organizations in light of the importance of the First Amendment rights. This is the true path to forward for gay rights but we will never get there if woke elites like swift keep lecturing americans and misrepresenting reality to implicitly condemn anyone who doesn't agree with their liberal agenda If that's not enough, the Washington Examiner has another article that talks about Taylor's new obsession with politics. And the entire article is just oozing with great points. I have to tell you guys, the article is titled Taylor Swift is now obsessed with politics. And it shows. And it was written by Madeline Fry on September 19th, 2019. We're getting more current. Look at me. I'm only a month not so current uh the article starts off with a bang it says get in loser we're going voting that seems to be the invitation taylor swift extends to democrats in her recent interview with rolling stone but her political message is just as convoluted as you'd expect following a line that sounds straight out of mean girls we need to not have the right kind of democrat and the wrong kind of democrat She explained neither endorsing a uh, presidential candidate nor mentioning any by name. We need to just be like, you're a Democrat? Sick. Get in the car. We're going to the mall. Whether Taylor Swift thinks voting boots appear in malls or she hopes to hold a Democratic rally while hawking some of her merch is unclear. What is clear is that despite Taylor Swift's recent political awakening, she still has no idea what she's talking about. If the Democratic debates have proven anything, it's that Democrats are far from easily being united. I'm going to read the whole article because it also ties into a simplified version of what Swift said to Rolling Stone about her political awakening. So the article by Madeline continues and it says, nevertheless... The recently woke celebrity explained that she suddenly cares about politics because before all of her favorites had gotten elected. Really, I keep trying to learn as much as I can about politics and it's become, become something I'm now obsessed with, whereas before I was living in this sort of political ambivalence because the person I voted for had always won, she said. Swift used to have a successful voting in, percent, in presidential elections. Woof, I don't know why the fuck I could not read presidential, my bad. She, she says she voted for Barack Obama twice as you should. But in 2016, she declined to endorse Hillary Clinton, because some part of her brain is fucking smart. <laughs> but it was because she was afraid it wouldn't help. And she was right. And her chosen candidate, Phil Brenderson, didn't make it to the Senate in 2018. C'est la vie for most of us. But for Swift, the apparently unfamiliar taste of political defeat means it's finally time to act. We were in such an amazing time when Obama was president because foreign nations respected us. We were so excited to have the dignified person in the White House, she said, apparently believing the lie that the Obama administration was scandal free. (laughs) But I'm just focused on the 2020 election, she continued. I'm really focused on it. I'm really focused on how I can help and not hinder. For Democrats, her plan to help appears to be gathering all of them at the mall. For Republicans, her plan revolves schooling them on their tribalism. I do think as a party we need to be more of a team she said with republicans if you're wearing that red hat you're one of them and we're going to do anything to change what's happening we need to stick together we need to start dissecting why someone's on our side or if they're on our side in the right way or if they're phrased or if they phrased it correctly Republicans, though, aren't the only ones guilty of, stink- of sinking into political tribes. Swift's rationale for supporting all rac- Democrats appeared to be based on vague fears about white supremacy or watching people lose their rights. She's buying into party rhetoric, not policy. And her appeal to, un- to unity ends up representing nothing more than the tribalism that she tries to call out apparently people are of course not buying the new woke taylor apparently kid rock of all people don't know where the fuck this came from i just found this randomly on google but he had something to tweet about in august he said taylor swift wants to be a democrat because she wants to be in movies dot 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 period and it looks like she will suck the doorknob off holly weird to get there oldest move in the book good luck girl I have no fucking clue who gave Kid Rock a Twitter account or who approved that tweet, but Lord, Jesus. (laughs) The internet, thank God, was not having it, and it was called out for the oozing amount of sexism and the bizarre and pointless attempt at a call-out that that was. But there was an article I lost that talked about Taylor Swift only using certain things to her benefit, and they mentioned how every album centered around something Uh, which was either drama or just anything that got people to talk in some way. And they cited that the Kim and Kanye situation was there to help boost reputation with all the snakes and all of that nonsense. And now the LGBTQ plus community and the politics are her new boost for lover. And my personal opinion is all over the place with Taylor Swift, if I'm being totally honest with you guys, despite this being a very... Taylor Swift heavy episode, but she did a huge interview with Vogue magazine in August where she talked about politics and sexism. And there's a big thing that she said that I definitely wanted to read. She said, Maybe a year or two ago, Todrick and I are in the car, and I, he asked me, What would you do if your son was gay? The fact that he had to ask me shocked me and made me realize that I had not made my position clear enough or loud enough, she says. If my son was gay, he'd be gay. I don't understand the question. The article went on and said, if he was ta- if he was thinking that I can't imagine what my fans in the LGBTQ+ community might be thinking, she goes on. It was kind of a devastating thing to realize that I hadn't been publicly clear about that. I asked her why get louder about LGBTQ rights now rights are being stripped from basically everyone who isn't a straight white cisgender male she says i didn't realize until recently that i could advocate for a community that i'm not part of it's hard to know how to do that without being so fearful of making a mistake that you just freeze because my mistakes are very loud when i make a mistake it echoes through the the canyons of the world it's clickbait and it's a part of my life story and it's part and it's a part of my career arc I'd argue that no heterosexual woman can listen to you need to calm down and hear only a gay anthem. Calm down is what controlling men tell women who are angry, contrary, uh, or hysterical. Or let's say fearing for their physical safety. It is what Panic! at the Disco singer Brendan Urie says to Swift in the beginning of the Me music video, prompting her to scream. I am not even going to attempt that because I barely speak English. I cannot speak French to save my life. But anyway, you guys have saw, you have seen the video. You know what he's trying to scream at her. But lastly, I just want to go ahead and read a little bit more of the article that, uh, where t- Taylor talks about sexism. Uh, the article says, I asked Swift if she had always been aware of sexism. I think about this a lot, she says. When I was a teenager, I would hear people talk about sexism in the music industry. and I'd be like, I don't see it. I don't understand. Then I realized that that was because I was a kid. Men in the industry saw me as a kid. I was a lanky, scrawny, overexcited young girl who reminded them more of their little niece or their daughter than a successful woman in the business or a colleague. The second I became a woman, in people's perception, was when I started seeing it. It's fine to infantilize a girl's success and say, how cute that she's having some hit songs, she goes on. How cute that she's writing songs. But the second it becomes formidable. As soon as I started playing stadiums, when I started to look like a woman, that wasn't as cool anymore. It was when I started to have songs from Red came out and crossover, like I knew you were trouble and we are never getting back together. Now, the rest of the interview is super interesting. I, I don't have any other words to say other than it's interesting, but still somehow doesn't help me in the opinion of Taylor Swift. Um, sorry. I just, Taylor Swift is just an, an enigma milk spill. To me and I just can't ever get a, a right the right grip on her, in my opinion. I mean, I'm just kind of neutral to her right now until she does something wildly stupid or wildly bold. Sometimes I think it's all for show and calculated attempts at boosting sales. Other times I think she's genuine. But at the end of the day, if she's doing good and she's educated, does it really matter? But the key word here is educated. But honestly enough about Taylor Swift, my God, hopefully I haven't lost you guys yet. Hopefully you're still here with me a half hour in and we can move on. But in case you just need to cleanse your mind before we move on, I will actually be playing multiple artists or bands in this episode like I used to because I stumbled upon a shit ton of new music in the last year and I want to shove it in you guys' faces because that's literally the whole point of this podcast, right? Right? We haven't lost that yet, I promise the first artist i have is named layla but she goes by the name awful tune for her project that she claims are a collection of songs recorded from her bed in new york city now i found a lot of ukulele music lately but i just really like this song and just wanted to play it for you guys the song is called boys will be girls from her record titled 21 and it just came out this year so here is boys will be girls well i think like a woman I sound like a
1: man but I understand if you don't understand but it's more than a thought it's just who I really am who I always will be and who I've always been so I think about the days when I looked in the mirror and I saw it staring back at me it all became so clear so I wrote all this music to get my feelings out but I never got to sing what I really wanted to sing about of view. So I wrote all this music to get my feelings out But I've never got to sing what I really wanted to sing about Boys will be boys, girls will be girls But don't even think you don't belong in this world If you're a girl that's a boy, or you're a boy that's a girl think, you don't belong in this world, you belong in this world, I never understood why my relationships didn't work, why I never was happy, or why I've been left just like a jerk, some say I'm pure evil. Some say I'm not okay, but I was just a walking oxymoron trying to find her way. So I'm sorry to my lovers, to all my friends that I've confused. (laughs) It all to do with me, and it had nothing to do with you. So now I have all this music, songs that make me proud. But I was too scared to sing what I really wanted to sing about. Boys will be boys, girls will be girls. a boy or you're a boy that's a girl
2: Again, that was the song Boys Will Be Girls from the artist Awful Tune off her 2019 album 21, which is available on her Bandcamp. Okay, so I'm done with Taylor Swift. I promise we are moving on. We are going to shift our focus to another woman who has become a hot topic as of the last few months because of her split with Liam Hemsworth and that is Miley Cyrus it seems to be the only thing we hear anymore is who she's making out with since their split and honestly I just feel like he was super vanilla compared to her in every way shape and form and I don't know how that worked but hey I don't know either of them in 10 years is a long time so something must have kept them together But I didn't bring up Miley just to talk about her dating life because honestly, I couldn't care less and I really don't give a fuck who she's dating, making out with, or really anything in her personal life unless it's unhealthy and unless it's public knowledge and we need to talk about it. But since we don't, I don't care. But Miley did an interview with Elle Magazine in the last couple months. I believe that she did it last month. And in the interview, she spoke about how she was feeling being a wife and being in a traditional marriage and all of this stuff. Considering she is a pansexual person, that's what she's claimed to be um, for a while now. And the interview actually talks about um, her new record coming out called She Is Coming. And the article says, Cyrus hops up and begins pacing as she explains that, quote unquote, she is the most confident version of herself and that she slash woman is taking back the power. She is here, fierce femme energy. Her sermon turns current as she conveys how women are the reason for life which is a blessing and a curse. She laments the expectation this puts on the female sex. We're expected to keep the planet populated. And when that isn't a part of our plan or our purpose, there's so much judgment and anger that they try to make and change laws to force it upon you. Even if you become pregnant in a violent situation, if you don't want children, people feel sorry for you, like you're a cold, heartless bitch who's not capable of love. Cyrus hates the word selfish. Why are we trained that love means putting yourself second and those you love first? If you love yourself, then what? You come first. Her serious face melts back into her charismatic, sunny smile, and she plops down on the couch. So that's my spiel. Then the interview shifts towards sexuality and Miley said, Joan Jett told me about the first time she played I Love Rock and Roll and Clive Davis said, there's no place in the industry for that. No one wants to see a girl with short hair and a guitar. Now, there's something that she actually said in the next part of the interview that really spoke to me. She said, I'd rather fail than cheat. I have a song called Bad Karma, but there's no such thing as karma there's just cause and effect. Otherwise, Donald Trump wouldn't be president. I don't believe that everybody gets theirs. It's just cause and effect. If you have a lot of money and you did a lot of shady shit, you're going to win. That doesn't mean that at some point somebody's not going to take you down, but I just don't believe that everybody gets what they deserve. I know a lot of amazing people through Happy Hippie, which is Miley Cyrus's foundation that focuses on youth homelessness and the LGBTQ community and other uh, vulnerable populations who live on the street. Artists who are super talented who have never been given a break. I fucking know that karma isn't real. Now, to me, I've always believed in karma personally. I've always watch the things I've said and I've said, and if I've said negative things, I would prepare for the consequence and all of that stuff. And I would just always stress about if I ever said anything negative about somebody, you know, what's going to happen to me? When's, you know, when's the lightning going to strike? And in my book, I actually talked about um, how I explored a relationship with religion and how it failed me in a time that I needed it most. And it really made me question everything that I've ever believed in. And after Miley said this, it really connected with me and how I really feel like I approach life now and it was really cathartic for me and it was really cool to see somebody that I don't really pay attention to much say something that really resonated hard with me in a time that I was thinking about it so heavily now Miley's breakup with Liam caused a lot of media outlets to comment especially since she was seen kissing recently divorced Caitlyn Carter shortly after they um They both decided to go out. Um, I don't remember where it was, but they went on a vacation. They were newly divorced slash separated and they were loving life, kissing each other. And it was grand old time. But Miley actually wrote on Twitter in a string of tweets about everything that people had to say about her and her divorce. So she wrote on August 22nd. I can accept that the life I've chosen means I must live completely open and transparent with my fans who I love and the public 100% of the time what I cannot accept is being told I'm lying to cover up a crime I haven't committed I have nothing to hide it is no secret that I was into partying into my teens and early 20s I have not only smoked but advocated for weed I've experimented with drugs my biggest song to date is about dancing on Molly and snorting lines in the bathroom I fucked up and cheated in relationships when I was young I lost a massive Walmart deal at 17 for ripping a bong I got kicked off Hotel Transylvania for buying Liam a penis cake for his birthday and licking it I swung on a wrecking ball naked there are probably more nudes on me on the internet than maybe any woman in history but the truth is once Liam and I reconciled I meant it and I was committed there are no secrets to uncover here I've learned from every experience in my life I'm not perfect I don't want to be it's boring I've grown up in front of you but the bottom line is I have grown up I can admit to a lot of things, but I refuse to admit that my marriage ended because of cheating. Liam and, my, Liam and I have been together for a decade. I've said it before, and it remains true. I love Liam and always will. But at this point, I had to make a healthy decision for myself to leave a previous life behind. I am the healthiest and happiest I have been in a long time. You can say I am twerking, pot-smoking, foul mouth hillbilly, but I am not a liar. I am proud to say I am simply in a different place from where I was when I was younger. Now, I mean, how do you how do you say anything to that? I just, I think that it's bullshit that just because people live their life online means that they're subject to scrutiny and lies. You know, you could say what you want about Miley, but don't say that she cheated in a relationship where you don't know if she did or she didn't. Obviously, we know now that she didn't because she told us she did. But why should she have to go out and say, I didn't cheat? You know, it should just be who who fucking cares you know it's their relationship cheating is the absolute one of the worst things that you can do to a human being but hey I don't know them personally it is what it is but clearly she didn't so I don't know why everybody is so obsessed with it But anyway, Bitch Media wrote an article about how the entire situation was actually an example of bioerasure, which I found super interesting. And when I read this article, I was like, holy shit, this makes a lot of sense. The article is pretty long, even with me only reading a portion of it. But it's super important to have this conversation, even with me talking about this topic in a few episodes already. It's always good to continue the conversation, especially on important topics. I think I just said the same three words in four different ways. It's fine. The article is written by Ellie Bell from August uh, August 19th. Wow, I'm just putting numbers wherever I want. It's from August 19th. She wrote, skepticism, erasure, and exclusion is nothing new for bisexual and pansexual people. Some of the most prevalent and harmful stereotypes and accusations about, and even within the LGBTQ community, are about bi plus people. People who are bisexual, pansexual, or non-monosexual. So it's no surprise that queer phobic hell broke loose when Miley Cyrus, who's been outspoken about being pansexual, announced her split from husband Liam Hemsworth in August 2019, with the separation immediately followed by her dating women. Cyrus and Hemsworth met in 2008 on the set of The Last Song, began dating in 2009, and were engaged twice prior to getting married in December 2018. When Cyrus was 25, many people were rooting for their marriage to last, creating a fandom that was simultaneously critical of My- Cyrus' sexuality and the danger it posted to their union. During a break from their relationship in 2015, Cyrus publicly came out as a queer and gender nonconforming person in an announcement that fans of both stars scrutinized and disbelieved, especially when she released the song She's Not Him perpetuating about, uh, perpetually about model Stella Maxwell. Cyrus has said that her first romantic relationship was with with, (laughs) her first romantic relationship was with a girl and that she's always considered her sexuality to be fluid in 2017 billboard in a 2017 billboard interview Cyrus said I always get in trouble for generalizing straight men because straight men can be my worst nightmare sometimes. And I'm with a straight dude, suggesting that she's well aware that both her relationship and her sexuality are constantly under scrutiny as a result of her fame and a continued cultural misunderstanding of queerness. Last week's announcement of Cyrus and Hemsworth's split was greeted with both an outpouring of online feelings and a glut of hateful messages that blamed Cyrus's sexuality. One Twitter user, wrote that cyrus is a prime example of why you shouldn't trust bisexual people although cyrus has not has been explicit that she identifies as pansexual not that the statement would be true either the user wrote hashtag miley cyrus splitting (laughs) splitting and allegedly cheating on liam with a woman confirms that she shouldn't date bi people uh not offensive just true bi is greedy and never satisfied cyrus's fellow musician halsey Uh, who does identify as bisexual, had a pointed response for such generalizations. Stop being afraid of women who aren't afraid to do what pleases them and not other people. Miley has just been living her life since everything has happened, and she even collabed with Lana Del Rey and Ariana Grande for a song called Don't Call Me Angel for the new Charlie's Angel movie that Kristen Stewart is in, and I'm super pumped for. I still love Kristen Stewart. Twilight Till I Die... Team Edward. Um, I can't wait for that movie. The song is really weird. Not gonna lie. Um, I've talked to Pat about it. I've talked to a couple people about it and I love all three of them individually but I feel like Ariana's part just doesn't mesh well with the other two. I think that Miley and Lana although they're super stark with their the contrast is super stark with their um, sounds I think that they flow really well together and I think Ariana's part is just really strange like it just sounds like an Ariana Grande song and then like Miley's kind of in it for a minute and then Lana Del Rey makes no fucking sense I mean her part is incredible Lana Del Rey can do no wrong in my eyes but I just don't understand why the three of them needed to make a song I mean I'm all for it but very strange sounding I think that Miley's part should have been very um I think she should have been the more pronounced part in that song because her whole line and even her part in the video was kind of the punch to the face as to what the song is supposed to be about, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to be about like don't tell me to smile, don't call me angel, men are trash kind of kind of vibe. Um and Lana Del Rey does that very well with her music and Miley, she's all about giving off that energy with her vocals and all of that. So I don't know. Made no sense to me. I don't know why I just went on like a two minute rant about that, but it's a good song. Definitely check it out. But uh Miley's part was definitely the shining star for me personally, even though I love all three ladies, just the same. But uh Lana actually did put out a record called Norman fucking Rockwell. And it's everything I've ever wanted from Lana Del Rey. As you guys know from the uh, two part lust for Lana episode that Pat and I did where we just did a whole review episode Well, we did two episodes. Technically, we had to break it up, but uh, we did an episode about uh, Lana Del Rey's record, Lust for Life, that I believe came out in 2017. And we just did a whole review on it. And it's basically Pat just gushing about Lana Del Rey for three hours. And um, like I said, I'm not a huge Lana fan because I feel like she, people either live for her or they don't care about her. I'm somehow in the middle. I don't know how, but I'm in the middle with Lana Del Rey. I like some of her songs, but other than that like her as an artist just doesn't um, fit well with my everyday life as a music listener I don't know where I'm going with any of this but yeah check out Norman fucking Rockwell Um, fuck it I love you is on my makeout playlist and that's a real good song and I totally recommend it now an interesting article that I did find is actually about artist Kate Nash I know Most people probably haven't heard that name in a while unless you are a Kate Nash fan, but I haven't heard that name since uh, Made of Bricks, which I think came out in 2008. Uh, Don't quote me on that. I'm just shooting in the dark here. I have it on vinyl, and that's the only thing that I know about Kate Nash. But she recently did an interview with The Guardian back in July of this year, and it's actually titled Kate Nash uh, with quotes, 40-year-old men were hanging out with me, happy to profit, not concerned about my health. And it basically chronicles the early stages of her career. And there's just one really big standout part for me. The article is pretty long. I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Again, everything will be linked in the show notes. So everything that I'm talking about in this episode will be linked down there. So please check out any and all articles that are in here because everything that I'm talking about is actually super interesting. And I'm not reading every single thing that's from any of them because they're all super long, but they all have really good content. But in this article, the thing that stood out most to me said, but her success was wildly disorientating and she ignored her record and she signed her record deal in a state of extreme anxiety. My mom was like, look, if you don't want to do it, we can just get on the tube, go home and go to pizza express and forget about it. And she meant it. But afterwards my manager at the time said to her well played. And my mom was like, excuse me, I'm not playing my own child, but everyone else was playing her. Polydor worked her relentlessly. She toured for two years straight and ended up having panic attacks. Meanwhile, the tabloids were experimenting with their own new business model. Stories about Nash having a pimple or similar made regular, regular appearances in sidebars of shame. Nash is amazed that she had no pa- pastoral care whatsoever. Artists often have mental health issues and their lifestyles are unstable unstable because of all the traveling and the media commentary on their lives now i'm like how are we all 40 year old men hanging out with me and happy to profit from me and not concerned about my health in any way after her second album flopped nash began channeling her rage into her music in 2012 she uploaded a thrashy new track called underestimate the girl and was duly dropped by her label enemy headline was kate nash has committed career suicide and it sounds amazing she maintains it uh, maintains it was the best thing she ever did but it was one thing finding your voice and another from making money from it as she discovered when she moved to LA that like I said the article is pretty long and it doesn't even begin to it doesn't even begin there to be honest that's just um couple of paragraphs from it, but definitely check it out. Um everything that Kate had to say was super eye opening, but I definitely wanted to just take a second to read that part where she was talking about forty year old men not giving a shit about her mental health and just loving profiting off of a young girl. That's that's the music industry and I talked about it in my last episode how Taylor Swift was taken advantage of when she was young girl because she was bright eyed and bushy tailed and just wanted a record contract. Haley Williams, the same thing. She was young and offered a record deal and now she's begging to get out of it. Or at least she was in 2017. Um, I talked about it before, but there was a uh, Fader interview. I'm actually staring at it right now. Um, there was an interview that Haley did with the fader and she was basically saying that she was, she went down to the record office and she begged to get out of her contract just because she didn't want it over her head anymore. And they're basically like, Nope, sorry you signed this tough luck. And it's just, we all do things when we're, when we're young and stupid. And a lot of these artists, they just really want to put their music out there and they really want to tour and do all these things. So they sign shit and they don't realize what they're signing until they're older Look at Taylor Swift. She has to re-record all her masters now just to say that they're hers. And I keep talking about it, but I hope artists like Billie Eilish um, don't fall victim to that. Same thing with Lil Nas X. These younger artists, they I just hope that they're careful and I hope that they learn from the mistakes of their elders, even though I'm talking about elders, but these women are like 27, 28 years old, barely in their 30s. But I just hope that the music industry kind of stops taking advantage of young, young artists, not even young women, but young men too. It's just, it's really sad and it really sucks. And it makes me really sad as a music lover. And God, this industry just makes me want to cry most of the time. But, um, moving on, I did have a few more things of the similar theme. Um, I don't really know what the theme of this episode is, but I'm going to go with that. All of these follow into that theme the first thing being Sam Smith coming out as non-binary and recently posted a shirtless photo on their Twitter account. And there were tons of comments that I was just, yikes. I I saw like three of them and I just needed to log out for the day. And they're just really foul and a testament to our culture and the intolerance of people who are just not cisgendered or non-conforming. And it's just, people just don't understand anything. As, As long as you're you know falling into the box people understand you the second you step even like a toe outside the line people are like oh my god what is this alien creature fuck it aliens are cool live with it but smith did not respond or react in any sort of way at least that i saw i haven't really looked into it but i don't think that they did anything about it they're just really living their best free life and i'm super proud and happy for them and um the makeup looks are really fucking slaying. So good on Sam Smith and good on them for not um, responding in any way, because if you respond in a positive way, people are going to be like, meh, if you respond in a negative way, people are going to be like, meh. so good on Sam Smith. Another artist who has also had a hard time with being out in the public um, at first, not now so much anymore, but Haley Kiyoko, who I've talked about in the past a couple of times, she did in a, uh, she was talking in August of this year to Gay Times about her role in the community and the music industry. And she, uh, the article said, Haley Kiyoko, aka Lesbian Jesus, has said she initially wanted to reject the label of lesbian, but accepted it in order to help normalize the identity for others. Speaking at the Billboard and Hollywood Reporters Pride Summit, she said, I didn't want a label at all, but once I released my music... There was this outpour of support for the fact that I did like girls. I learned that by embracing my label as a lesbian, I was helping normalize that for so many other people. Haley also shared her fears that she wasn't doing enough to make the LGBTQ community more visible. Sometimes you get overwhelmed. I'm not doing enough. I'm not saying enough, she said. I just focus on keeping people alive. If you can inspire hope and give light when people are in the darkness, they will help you make this world a better place. Earlier this year, the singer said that she refused to tone down her sexuality when she was releasing music. In an interview with ID Magazine, she said, my sexuality, loving myself and expressing my love for others is not something that's negotiable. There's no toning that down because this is who I am and this is what I experience. I can't change that. I still have a lot of room to grow as a person and think that anyone being brave, bold, and willing enough to stand up for what they believe in and protest is really inspiring. In another interview, in an interview with Gay Times last year, Haley reflected on her sending of a tweet that would define 2018. It's our year. It's our time. She wrote to her huge following to thrive and let our souls feel alive. It read like a prophecy from lesbian Jesus herself. And then came the hashtag that cemented the tweet as legendary. 20 Gay teen. I had no idea that it was going to catch on and, that we're, and people were going to continually post about it and talk about it, Haley tells us, reflecting on its undeniable popularity in LGBTQ internet culture. It's almost become the mantra of the year. It's been a fun year. Obviously, the world is going through hard times, so it's been nice to have some lightheartedness with my fans and being able to share that mantra with them. It makes them feel good and proud of who they are. Speaking to what Haley had to say, another artist that I do want to talk about is Lil Nas X. And he has just recently spoken about uh, coming out as gay. He came out uh, the end of Pride Month, which was June of this year. He spoke to CBS and he was just kind of talking about for a good minute there how he felt that he wished that being gay was a phase and how he wasn't comfortable with it until very recently he was comfortable inside with himself but he wasn't really comfortable with sharing it with the world and i just want to play that clip really quick right here
3: to let
4: go.
5: that's the hit song closure by superstar lil nas x The artist quickly rose to fame with Old Town Road. You know it. It broke the record for Billboard's longest-running number one song of all time. Wow. That happened when he was 19. The rapper, whose real name is Montero Lamar Hill, revealed closure was his way of coming out as gay. He told us the journey to making that announcement was not easy. Did you know as a little boy that you were gay? Did you think that as a youngster while people are telling you it's not a good thing? Were you thinking, yeah, but... Yeah, I think I am.
4: Definitely. I knew. Um, especially, like, around my teenage like years, you know, I would just, like, you know, pray and pray and pray. and.
5: What were you praying for?
4: That it was, like, a phase. That it would go away. Yeah, it yeah. Would go away. Um,
5: I'm good with it, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, because me being in this position, like, it's easy for me, but, like... Some little boy 10 miles from here, it's not going to be good for him.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
5: But don't you think you coming out that could probably help others who are struggling the way you were struggling with it?
4: I think it's going to always help, you know. It's going to We still have a long way to go because it's not like everybody like, messing with me now because, of course, somebody who's, like, listening to me in school right now, it's like you gay because you're listening to him. So it's like, it's still a lot to be done, of course, but I, I do believe it's, it's helping.
2: Going off of what Lil Nas X had to say, we really do have a lot of work to do, considering what I was just saying about Sam Smith and my next topic, which is uh, Azalea Banks. Ah, she is at it again with her un... Asked for advice, comments, whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Uh, I've talked about Azalea Banks too many times on this podcast. Um, I talked about Azalea Banks with Pat a couple episodes ago, and I just, I really can't stand her. She does nothing positive for this world. She does nothing positive for the industry. She really is just the black mark on uh, music, and she just makes all women in music just... She just gives everybody a bad name. I just do not like this woman. I think that she's never said anything positive ever in her career. And I'm just really fucking sick of hearing her opinions. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's just roll on into what she actually had to say this time. And maybe you guys have seen it. Maybe you haven't. But she went on a long, now deleted Instagram rant about Lizzo. Now, <laughs> I... I I don't fucking get it. But anyway, I'm going to try my best to read it. Sometimes Azalea Banks doesn't finish her words when she types because she just wants to make my life difficult in every way, shape, and form. So if this is a struggle, I'm super sorry. It's Azalea Banks' fault. Anyway... Let's read. So she says, LMAO, the fact that the public and the media has been keeping this fat girl joke going for so long is honestly peak boredom. This song is not good, nor is the dumpy fat girl spectacle live set she does. Saddest bit is that... The girl is legit talented and truly only being allowed to shine so long as she allows herself to be this millennial mammy of sorts. I honestly just hope this means she took the proverbial mammy L for Cupcake, um, Cupcake the artist with two K's, who she originally stole the shtick from. I would love to see Cupcake flourish without she... Without this simultaneous lust and disgust, phenomenon Lizzo incites in the public. Queen Latifah was able to represent for larger women without being being a disgusting or being a uh, mistral. So was Missy Elliott. LMAO, Lizzo, really millennial mammy. I'm ready this joke to be over. Like illiterate Cardi, then fat Lizzo, they are really choosing the worst of the black women's crops. The, choosing the worst of the black women's crop to advertise American America with this is not Azalea Banks' fault. I really just can't fucking read. So for once, it's not Azalea Banks' fault. This music execs, that yes, this is music execs have to realize that this data game is getting bigger than the USA. It's not about trying to dumb the black American image and people down so obviously and so aggressively after hash um, quote unquote Black Lives Matter. Corporations need to realize black America is. It's only friend, and begin to treat it with some love and respect. I guess they saw us moving too fast with it, because if you realize after Beyonce came became political in ways they didn't like, the elite stopped giving her that top top spot and started cycling out these lesser's like Cardi and Lizzo, even Lil Nas X trash ass buck break mountain anthem. Wow, interesting. Giving them Beyonce level accolades, while both being nowhere near the level of black female excellence she is. I don't know. I just think black culture is more than ever being infiltrated by white inventions, algorithms, and the execs, black and white, are complicit with all the social programming they've been tasked to do. I understand the body positivity thing, but if it were the most vulgar bits of it wouldn't be broadcast like that lmfao imagine what the rest of the world thinks when they see lizzo jumping around in leotards with cellulite no one says body positivity she looks like she's making a fool of her black self for a white american public nothing more nothing less all of this is happening purposely it's not because any of these people are talented or deserving lmao it's just because execs know they are new faces and they won't get out of line so to speak and when they do they'll say and do what the elite want them to do because i'm sorry why didn't we give jasmine sullivan all of this attention lol she was a talented big girl because because she wasn't making a fool of herself duh another parallel is adele fat adele gets to be fat white do a bootleg Uh, Mahala Jackson impression and take over but Lizzo got to jump around and act stupid to get half the attention while she has more talent than white Adele Alan Malfeo I can't stand Adele white ass white people really reward her for being fat because I really don't think she can sing Jesse J is eating Adele's foodum any day but Adele plays that fat white girl pity up so hard there's a lot of crying emojis just so you guys know like laughing crying emojis after this they better let Lizzo be a big star without having to do all the extra shit because the girl is legitimately talented sans the Bruno Mars throwaway tracks Jesus fucking Christ now I will say sorry I butchered the shit out of everything that she was saying a lot of that was um just me and Azalea Banks actually wrote that pretty well considering I've seen a lot of her other comments in the past just be really broken up in the way that they were written but um and I'm too lazy to edit that so sorry in advance this is me this is real this is me um I will say that I understand where she's coming from go figure but I just think that she's saying it in such a rude and uh, unnecessary way I do get what she's trying to say she really is trying to speak to the whole you know uh what Basically, Childish Gambino was saying in This Is America how black artists and actors and entertainers are used for white entertainment and we don't care about them we just care about them entertaining us so I think that's where she was trying to go with that but she was just kind of saying the wrong things and I just don't understand why she needs to belittle people and the way that she needs to speak in order to get a valid point across I do believe that somewhere in there and all the insults there was a point and I do think that to a degree, Lizzo is such a huge thing right now because of the way that she presents herself. But also I just, I, I don't know. I think that Lizzo's great for being great. I think that she is talented. I think that her songs do have a great message and I'm going to just prove right now, um, with a clip from, she just played, uh, Glastonbury. I believe that's how you say that. Um, and she just did something really, really great. And I'm just gonna play it for you right now to counteract everything that Azalea Banks just said that was negative. That's
5: a testimony. Your transgressions can become your greatest blessings, bitch. If somebody do you dirty, put that seed in the dirt and watch it grow, ho. Perry and Poe, how we feeling? I'm feeling pretty motherfucking good right now. Glass, no! Damn, we've been through a lot together. I feel like we family now. I want you to know that I love you very much and I'm very proud of you. I want you to know if you can love me, you can love your goddamn self. And if you don't mind, I'd like to do a little mantra with you. I want you to go home tonight and look in the mirror and say, I love you, you are beautiful, and you can do anything. I really want you to say that because I believe we can save the world if we save ourselves first. It starts with you. I'm one bitch, but y'all are thousands and thousands of bitches. (laughs) And you all can change the world. So right now I want you to say to me, I love you. I love you. you are beautiful. beautiful. And you can, do you can do anything. Now I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I love you. I love you. You, you are beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And you can, do you can do anything. And now I want you to look at me because I've been depressed lately, bitch, and I need it. <laughs> say. Love you, Lizzo. I love you, Lizzo. You are beautiful, girl. You are beautiful, girl. And you can, do anything, bitch. you can do anything, bitch. That goes for you streaming at home. I want you to say that to yourself and look in the mirror and say that shit to yourself. I promise you it works. Do it on your good days, but especially do it on your bad days. Because that shit is like medicine, man. <laughs> All right, let's check in. Everybody take a deep ass breath. Let's take another deep-ass breath <sighs> oh. and on this last deep-ass breath I want you to imagine all of the love outside right now that you've been sharing I want you to imagine that love that you've been putting out coming right back into your body you ready? One last deep-ass breath let's bring in the- here in between your titties and massaging around how we feeling I want you to keep that love there are you ready to do your hair toss and check your nails
2: now while we're on the topic of people that bother the ever loving shit out of me on a consistent basis um, Cardi B (laughs) Um, I just want to touch on this super quick because it is a relevant topic. Cardi B um was bashing I think the Hollywood reporter or somebody uh they took something that she said out of context in a whole um she was speaking on something talking about motherhood and basically, I can't find it right now because I didn't look too hard to be completely honest with you, but all I remember is her saying, "I hope your mom catches AIDS." So, that wasn't the part that I was going to talk about, even though that's what got me Cardi B on my radar again, which I hate when Cardi B is on my radar. She just bothers the shit out of me in everything that she does, to be completely honest with you. I know Pat and I have battled about her before, but um, I'm never going to fucking like her. So anyway, this is why I don't fucking like her. So she tweeted, um, I don't remember what sparked this, um, but she I think they're deleted now, but there are four tweets that I'm looking at right now. I don't know what order they're in, but I'm going to read them from the bottom right all the way around counterclockwise. So she said, I'm not transphobic. You love dragging that. Have I said some remarks in the past that I apologized for? Yes. I'm from a place that people have closed mindsets, so we might not know what insults other insults other or not. I never disrespected no trans nor nobody from LGBT. Do you even know the real definition of transphobia? You can't even be next to trans or gays people, literally fight for them not to have equal rights as I'm in an industry that until this day, male rap artists get uncomfortable when I come through with my team and I still don't give a fuck. How many tweets and videos have I made supporting LGBT? Plenty. How much I support two on my glam team who I've who I've been experiencing they transition hard so don't label me something that I'm not bitch my sister is gay my best friends are gay butch women I'm a whole bisexual so what the fuck are you talking um so the whole reason why I wanted to include that rant in here was because Cardi B is one of those people that that says I have a friend that's this minority how can I possibly be gay girl there are people that have tons of gay people in their life or trans people in their life or black friends family whatever you do not get to use that token to get out of jail free you just don't and I am tired of it I'm tired of the I'm not racist I knew a black person in fourth grade in 1975 it's just I'm tired I'm fucking tired. Are you guys tired? I mean, I'm tired mostly because, you know, I don't fucking do anything anymore. And, you know, my body's just tired from working out once three years ago. But it's just I've had enough of Cardi B, first of all. I've just had a fucking enough of her. And second, I've just had enough of this whole token minority bullshit that people use to claim that they're not racist, transphobic, homophobic, what have you. I'm just, oh, my God. But anyway, I don't want to drag on negativity for too much longer. Um, We'll get back to Lizzo because she's doing great things. Not only does her speech uh, just really resonate positivity, but she does it often at shows. She was she brought a bunch of puppies on stage at at a show when she was talking about um, adopting puppies. So she does a lot of good things. So I honestly, Azalea Banks saying that. Lizzo is just the fat black girl that we like to be entertained by, and she's nothing more than that, is really dumb, and I don't agree with that. But Lizzo is returning back to Nashville. She just did a show here a couple weeks ago, I think I don't really know, but she she did it this month, and she's coming back with other artists for a benefit concert for suicide prevention. I'll link all the info in the show notes. I believe tickets are 75 dollars, but it's definitely well worth the money if you guys can swing that um, I know other artists are playing. I can't think of off the top of my head. But again, I'll link all the info down in the show notes. But Lizzo's coming to Nashville. That's all you need to know. And speaking of people that don't fucking get it whatsoever, earlier this year, Troy Sivan was asked in an interview if he was a top or a bottom. To which he said, ooh, definitely passing, and then took to Twitter to really respond. He said, I thought about asking the interviewer about his absolute fave sex position after that last question, but then I remembered how wildly invasive, strange, and inappropriate that would be. Didn't stop him, though. Next time, I'll just do a a Twitter Q&A. Now, Troy is not the first nor the last artist that has... Been asked rude or inappropriate questions. There are tons of YouTube videos dedicated to other artists and actors and actresses being asked uncomfortable questions, and it's not just actresses, but it's mostly actresses. And you guys have probably seen plenty of them. Um, Who was it? Anne Hathaway was asked about her regimen to get in a cat suit all throughout uh, promoting Batman and everything. So you guys know it exists. I don't have to tell you twice. If you're on this, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that should exist. But I'm glad that Troy Savon really took to his Twitter to, you know, say that he was super uncomfortable because it was really inappropriate. Now I have a few more things that I want to talk about. One is super wild to me because I didn't even realize it. Again, I haven't really been on the internet, so I haven't really paid much attention to most things. But I did see um, the hashtag Hot Girl Summer and I stumbled upon an article that's again from Bitch Media that talks about it's basically uh, stolen from a black artist and basically perpetuating um, market and goods and all sorts of things like forever 21 selling shit that says hot, hot girl summer on it and i just wanted to read a little bit from this article it's from august 5th and it's by brooklyn white she wrote megan the stallion is experiencing career momentum that other artists only dream of after several of her freestyles went viral in 2017 she released make it hot followed by 2018's tina show Tina Snow, sorry, which featured one of her biggest songs, Big Ol' Freak. And in May 2019, she dropped Fever, the first mixtape from a woman rapper to reach the top 10 of Billboard's top 200 chart. And while her musical influences, including Lil' Kim and Juicy J, resound throughout her mixtapes, her songs are still tailored to suit her specific music taste. musical taste. She's a self-defined hot girl or an unbothered and carefree woman who unapologetically chases and secures bags, and her songs are sex positive, full of confidence, and include catchy lyrics that are perfect for Instagram captions. Meg introduced her alter ego, Hot Girl Meg, on Instagram on May 8th as a part of the rollout for fever's first single realer in realer megan defines some of her hot girl tendencies for listeners the tenets of which include keeping it real saying fuck the critics and getting money the meaning has evolved into include wearing white toenail polish drinking brown liquor sorry i can't read and indulging in girls nights And it's caught on in a major way. When summer 2019 rolled around earlier and hotter than normal, thanks to global warming, Megan declared it the hot girl summer in a tweet. Being a hot girl is about being unapologetically you, having fun, being confident, living your truth, being the life of the party, etc. Now the article then talks about fast food chains such as Wendy's and brands who have stolen the phrase and used it in their marketing. And the last thing I do want to read from this article, though, is these companies insist on co-opting Megan Thee Stallion's signature phrase because they've long been able to get away with it. Kayla Newman, a black teenager who coined the catchphrase on fleek in summer 2014, has watched the term go viral without being compensated. It was printed on Forever 21 t-shirts and has been referenced in multiple songs. As Jeff... E. Haza pointed out in a February 2017 piece for the outline young white people like the boys behind the Damn Daniel meme and Daniel Bergoli, Catch Me Outside Daniel, sorry, Daniel Bergoli, Catch Me Outside are encouraged to capitalize on their words. Daniel Lara and Joshua Holtz of Damn Daniel fame appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show and in Weezer's music video for California Kids, while Bergoli, who has been emulating black women from the beginning is now a rapper signed to Atlantic Records. Digitally, uh, virtually is lucrative, but young black women are still unable to catch out. Cash out, sorry the year is twenty eighteen at lil nas x asks us to be featured on this two hundredth remix of whole town road. The music video is shot in space as he floats in on a horse dripping in body lava. Hot girl summer has prevailed for sixty seasons in a row. Life is good. Fenty beauty, a black owned beauty and high fashion business that has been internationally inclusive recently tweeted notice- noticeably that there hasn't been any backlash. Fenty Beauty may be the only brands that has the range to endorse hot girl summer without it feeling appropriative because it affords its platform to both rising and already iconic black figures has made black current events a part of its social content. A black woman, Aja Jade is on their social team and Megan Thee Stallion has been publicly vocal about being an avid user of Fenty Beauty. All the, Elements make their reference to Megan The Stallion's now viral concept a bit more natural, mutually beneficial, and not solely rooted in one-sided uh, financial gain. Both Rihanna and Fenty Beauty have given Black women space to be their authentic selves, which is really what Hot Girl Summer is all about. Um, I love everything Rihanna does, just putting that out there. I own most of her um, lace bras from uh, Savage X Fenty. Um, just putting that out there you guys didn't need to know that but I just I would live and die for Rihanna I have bought an al- I've, I buy a lot of shit from Rihanna I have not dabbled in Fenty Beauty mostly because I'm not a guru and my eyeliner is from 2017 and I've had the naked palette from Urban Decay since it came out which was like 2010 so don't take makeup advice from me because it's not good <laughs> But uh, everything that Rihanna does is incredible. She is the only person that I ever pay attention to that does anything always. That's a really broad statement. That's a bold statement, but I just love everything she does. So that's basically what I'm trying to say. I highly encourage everyone to read this article because it's very eye-opening to see that even though we think we have come so far, We have a lot of fucking work to do. And that's what Halsey and Lil Nas X have been saying this whole episode. Now, while we're at it, I want to mention Tegan and Sarah because they have been on tour promoting their new record. Hey, I'm just like you. And they took a shot at ticket scalpers last week. They wrote on their Instagram. It has come to our attention that significant numbers of tickets to our show tonight in San Francisco were unethically gobbled up by secondary ticketing platforms during our tour on sale in July. While the show tonight is technically sold out, many of these tickets are now being flooded back into the market for resale. Because there is little time to sell and we never ask our fans to go to secondary sites, this will likely result in empty seats tonight in the Sydney Goldstein Theater. Our goal is to ensure that our real fans are in each and every seat and to prevent secondary platforms from hurting our show. As an experiment, tonight in San Francisco, we will be offering rush seating for all open seats. At approximately 8.15 p.m., this means that we will allow any empty seats to be available on the first-come-first-served basis to re- in a return for a pay-what-you-can cash donation at the door to the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, which works to support LGBTQ plus girls and women. After analyzing the secondary sites, we estimate we might have over 200 seats to fill at the last minute tonight. We would ask you to line up at the venue in the evening for the chance to be admitted into the show at 8.15 p.m., but note we can't guarantee seat availability. We will be continuing to work on this frustrating problem this week, and we will keep everybody posted on rush seating and ticket availability to upcoming shows. We can't wait to see you XO Tegan and Sarah. Now the guardian also did an article about the duos. Now uh, new memoir, high school and the new record written on September 30th by Spencer Cornhaber. I think that's his name. He wrote the audience cheered and Sarah Quinn scoffed. Where the fuck were you when I was 15? She asked at the sold out murmur theater in Brooklyn last night, last week. The question was jokey, but it also wasn't. Sarah of the band Tegan and Sarah had just told a story about the time in 12th grade when she hurled a chair at a classmate who had sneered during a health lesson. Thags get AIDS in her and her sister's new memoir, High School, Sarah writes, of the dangerous sound of her own voice when she confronted the jerk. The Specularity Metallic Crash, spectac- spectacularly, spectacularly metallic sorry crash of that chair into a desk and her having heaving sobs after she bolted from the classroom and hid in the drama department the adults at the school called her to the principal's office but dealt with her gently the adults who love her band listening to her speak in 2019 treated her like a hero the article goes on to talk about the early days of tegan and sarah is overall a really good read so definitely check it out link will be in the show notes as per usual Now, lastly, before we wrap up, I did want to touch on Billie Eilish, who has been trying to have this important conversation about climate change for a while now. And an article on Refinery29 talked about how Billie is making a huge stride in her quest to promote it and do her part on her next tour. They wrote, Eilish has partnered with the nonprofit organization Reverb Reverb, to create an environmentally friendly live music experience. All of Eilish's venues will offer water stations for both Uh, concert goers and backstage crew and fans will be allowed to bring refillable water bottles to the shows. She has also banned plastic straws from the tour and a Billie Eilish eco village will be stationed at each show to offer attendees more info on how to join the battle against climate change. This is just one of Eilish's latest efforts to draw attention to the ongoing climate crisis. Her recent music video for All the Good Girls Go to Hell imparted a similar message. The video depicts a winged Eilish doused in what appears to be a thick black oil stumbling through a burning street and singing about raising waters in California wildfires. Environmental phenomenons all linked to climate change. Beneath the video, she posted an additional note warning that the time is running out. Right now, there are millions of people all over the world begging our leaders to pay attention. Our earth is warming up at an unprecedented rate. Ice caps are melting. Our oceans are rising. Our wildfire is being poisoned and our forests are burning, she wrote, adding. Make your voice be heard. Billy being only 17 and trying to make a difference shows that maybe the younger generation is going to be the change that they want to see in the world. And I hope the planet sticks around long enough for them to see a better future. Because Lord knows our generation is pretty fucked right now, guys. Uh, We're trying our best. We're trying to save the turtles, but... It's, it's been rough out there, but good on Billie Eilish for doing whatever she can in her now sold out world tour. Um, all the shows for the UK and the US are sold out. So good going, Billie. You rock. Stan you forever. Me and Pat like to think that we discovered her in one of our episodes, even though she was already like at a million um, followers on Instagram by the time that we knew she existed. So, But we discovered her. Never forget that. Now, this episode started with a Halsey quote, and I want to end it with one. Halsey spoke to Cosmo last month, and she said, people are always asking her things. Are you a crazy, rambunctious bad girl? Or are you an activist, political fundraising philanthropist? Like, how am I fucking immune? Like, how fucking immune are you to the human experience? She laughs in disbelief. Sometimes I want to have really good sex, and sometimes I want to save the world. And sometimes I might try to do both in one day. Now, ain't that the fucking truth? That's it for today. Um, (laughs) There are still some things that I have on deck for another episode because they just couldn't make it into this one because I felt it was already long enough and it gives me a reason to record again. And I promise that my lazy ass won't wait three months to make it. I promise it'll be sooner. I don't know when because my laptop is being shared right now and I'm just enjoying not being online and having to promote something and doing really anything. I like not having any obligations. to be honest. I just can't handle it but um it'll it'll happen. It'll happen I promise. I do have a lot of things that I do want to sprinkle in another episode but um yeah, for now, I'm going to leave you guys with the last song of the episode. It's by an artist named Ruby McKinnon, and she goes by Flowerface, and she is from Ontario, Canada. She started making music at 14 years old, and she's put out quite a lot of music since then, to be honest. The song I have is from her 2017 album, Fever Dreams, and the song is called Jupiter, and it is very pretty and very sad sounding. So obviously, I love it, and you guys need to love it too. But before I play it, you guys might be able to find me on social media. No promises anymore. But Twitter is Rebel Hearts Girl, where I've been giving unsolicited dating advice every month. And nobody asks for it, but there it is. And I've also been making long iPhone notes. And uh, yeah, so if you're ready for some some sad girl tweets and some unsolicited dating advice, Rebel Hearts Girl is where it's at. Right now, Facebook is still rebel, uh, facebook.com slash rebel hearts podcast. If you want me talking about my book and posting random photos that my friend Nicole has taken over the last couple of months, do indulge yourself in the Facebook page Instagram, you will actually find me on, and that is Samus Socks. Instagram is so far the only social media that isn't a complete dumpster fire and does not make me feel like I'm suffocating 24-7. So definitely check me out on samus Socks. And my inbox is always open, and that is Rebel Hearts Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for being patient. I hope you like this episode. I will be restocking my book. If you guys want any merch, it's uh, rebelpartspodcast.bigcartel.com. I have pretty much everything. Um, I have shirts. I have everything with me in Tennessee. So definitely take a look on there and definitely um, be on the lookout for the next printing of my book. I'll see you guys at the front. Here is Flower Face.